Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Dr. Ryan Stedman and Dr. Shannon Steele of CareSource. In this episode, we will be talking about the advancement of pharmacy practice, credentialing and privileging a pharmacist, and where they see the profession of pharmacy heading in the future. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am excited to have two guests with us from CareSource, which is headquartered just a short drive away from us in Dayton, Ohio. Dr. Ryan Stedman, who currently serves as Senior Vice President of Pharmacy at CareSource, is with us today. And we also have Dr. Shannon Steele joining us in studio, who serves as Pharmacy Community Program Manager at CareSource. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan and Shannon. Thanks, Justin. Happy to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here today. Yeah. So our topic today centers around the idea of pharmacy practice advancement and the role of credentialing and privileging in these changes. Um, I've talked to a lot of pharmacists and those words still seem to be a bit fuzzy. And so I'd love to bring some definition to that today. But first, I think it would be great to help our uh, listeners out by hearing a little bit more about CareSource and also the work that each of you do. So Ryan, would you be willing to start us out by sharing about CareSource and your specific role within the organization? Sure, sure. Thanks, Justin. So again, Ryan Stedman, uh, I lead our pharmacy department here at CareSource, uh, located in Dayton, Ohio. We are a uh, nonprofit uh, managed care health plan uh, servicing over 2.3 million members. And those members are in a variety of states. We currently service seven states today. And we service the line of business of Medicaid, that's our top line, uh, followed by Marketplace or Affordable Care Act exchange plans, along with um, some Medicare products such as DSNET products or dual special needs plans. And that's the, the, the lines of business we service today. As a pharmacy department, we essentially do everything related to pharmacy inclusive of drug formulary decisions, prior authorizations, uh, clinical program management, community pharmacy engagement, along with many other activities, inclusive of taking some of your great students here from Cedarville. So I'll turn over to Shannon to kind of introduce her role, but uh, very excited to be here to talk about managed care pharmacy today. Yes, I'm Shannon Steele again. Um, my role at CareSource is the Pharmacy Community Program Manager. Um, I have the resident program, the student program, and um, as Ryan said, a lot of the, the relationships with um, the community and the markets that we provide. Great. Well, we're excited to have you both here. Um, so I would love to know, just uh, to get us started too, what other roles do pharmacists play in your organization? My understanding is you have quite a few employees that are in the pharmacy space. So what does that look like for some other pharmacists at CareSource? Sure, sure. Great question. So my team is, uh, is around 200 total individuals, and that includes pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and a variety of business roles and, and uh, you know support roles. As far as the pharmacist goes, my team's broken down into a couple of different departments, but just to give some examples of, of roles a pharmacist can have at a managed care organization, we have a team that leads clinical strategy, and that involves everything from formulary development to clinical policy development to clinical criteria for assessment of a, of a drug and its coverage. I have pharmacists involved in innovation and clinical program design, so they develop clinical programs that not only help our members, but help Providers make the right decisions. Pharmacies get engaged and help with the management of our of our you know great members that we have. 
and that may include adherence. Um, you know, taking a drug is very important for clinical outcomes, for disease state, et cetera. So those are just some examples there. Then we have pharmacists that also do data analytics. So to make healthcare decisions, especially in managed care, we need the data. The data tells the story. The data allows you to determine if the right outcomes are, are, are being had. Um, so again, pharmacists that do that. And we also have pharmacists that do regulatory oversight and review. Um, since we participate in several government-funded uh, programs, you know each state has different requirements. Uh, a lot of those impact pharmacy. And then we have to implement those changes, whether it's a system change, a clinical policy change, or even a, you know, a cost change. So those are some, some of the examples of a pharmacist within, within the organization. And I'd be remiss not to mention, we also have a pharmacy clinical call center that is focused on clinical interventions. Uh, so again, we've got a team that develops a program and then we've got teams that execute the program. So as pharmacists, pharmacists are some of the, bo the best uh, engaging individuals to create change, both with a member the provider and the pharmacy. So just a couple examples. I don't know, Shannon, if you want to add any more, please, you know, feel free to add. I think you included everyone. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. And, and one of the reasons I ask is because I think a lot of people probably aren't familiar with the managed care space, uh, first of all, and secondly, with the type of opportunities that are there within it. So um, thank you for kind of highlighting that for us. Uh, I'd also like to know a little bit about your own stories and your training, what led you to m the idea of managed care and your role specifically with CareSource. So Shannon, could you tell your story for us first? Yeah, I spent um, probably the first 10 years of my career in a, in a retail setting, um, which um, I enjoyed. Then I went to um, the PBM side of things um, and spent another 10 to 13, I think 13 years at the PBM. And then I came to CareSource 10 years ago, um, really because I was um, intrigued by the work that they were doing in the, the pharmacist services realm with, with MTM. Um, CareSource has really been a leader in, in um, the pharmacist service, um, providing those services to our members. Um, so that's, that's really why I came to CareSource. I decided that this last part of my career, I wanted to be meaningful and um, wanted to work for a company that valued the role of the pharmacist. Yeah, that's great. Ryan, what about you? Sure, sure. Shannon, great answer and, and glad that you feel valued and, and as part of the organization, which you certainly are. Uh, my history, Justin, primarily um, has been in the PBM industry. Um, how I got there, actually, uh, kind of stumbled across the um, managed care residency program my last year of pharmacy school. And decided to roll the dice and, and take a chance on doing something different. I realized I really wasn't meant out for retail and hospital wasn't my thing either. So I uh, really wanted more of the business side of things and, and really impacting the care of, of members' outcomes overall. And managed care kind of snuck up on me and uh, certainly has served me well over the last uh, 17 years. Again, spent a majority of my career with the PBM, um, starting in like a clinical consulting type of role, moving into uh, director of Medicaid clinical services, and then spent uh, about six years, my last six years at the PBM on, on the sales and account management side of the house, uh, servicing, always servicing and calling on health plans. And I think that's the unique thing about managed care is that, you know, not, not one health plan is one health plan. They're all different, but we all have to, you know, help our members uh, with cost savings, help the, the society with the, the medical needs of a pharmacist. And um, made my way to CareSource actually based on some previous relationships in the health plan industry and uh, really bought into their their mission and their value to them improve the lives of, of our members and 
they were doing a lot of innovative things and it also helped that they were in, in my backyard. I'm based in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, they're one of the largest employers in Dayton, Ohio. And again, just really aligned to their mission and helping our members, especially Medicaid members who, you know, again, helping them with SDOH or social determinants of health, food, housing, understanding, you know, health literacy. And I think that plays a big role and pharmacists are key in the delivery of that message, regardless of the channel that they're in. So met with a lot of your great students today and, you know, they work in a variety of different roles and, and channels, but they all have that um, ability to impact, you know, members' lives. And I think what makes CareSource special is that it was actually founded by a social worker um, probably 30 years ago. And 30 I think, years, yep. wow. I think that that social worker mentality is really permeated um, through CareSource. And we all have that whole patient um, vision in and our sites. More. Yeah. That's great. And clearly that idea of interprofessional collaboration has become a part of everything you do at CareSource, which is, is really neat. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later too. Um, so you both sit at a unique vantage point within a managed care organization that allows you to see broadly where pharmacists are involved in care and um, where care might be going in the future. So I'd love to just kind of have an open dialogue about some of the trends you're seeing in the types of services that pharmacists are involved in. Um, pharmacist provider status is something we've been talking about here in Ohio now for a number of years. So um, what are some of those trends that you're seeing in terms of how pharmacists are getting more involved in care beyond just simply dispensing? Well, I'm lucky as part of my role, I'm able to work on provider status. And the work that I do is not just in Ohio, but in several of the states that CareSource does business in. It's complex because each state is different in what they allow pharmacists to do, what services they allow pharmacists to provide and, and will reimburse them for. A lot of the work that I've done has been in the Ohio market for Medicaid members, as a result of Senate Bill 265 that passed in 2019 in Ohio, it really paved the way for, for our pilot program that we had. We reimbursed pharmacists for providing services for tobacco cessation, for managing their opioid use, for asthma, and for diabetes. We involved pharmacies in both rural and urban settings and just got the best outcomes from the program. 75% of the patients had a decreased A1C, 80% had improved asthma score, half the patients quit smoking, and all the patients who were taking opioids were educated on the proper use and, and the risks. We, as CareSource, have seen from that pilot program that the value that pharmacists provide with the clinical services that they do offer. And after our pilot, and we weren't the only MCO that that had a pilot. There were several that did. Medicaid actually changed um, their rules and are allowing pharmacists to be reimbursed for those clinical services. So very proud of that work that we were able to do in Ohio. Yeah. And being here in Ohio, that's been a super exciting thing to, to watch happen. And uh, I don't know that we have the flywheel running yet for these services to really be uh, be taken up in, in pharmacies, but we see people around the state um, stepping up to that, and that's exciting. Um, Ryan, do you have anything you would add in terms of where you see pharmacists getting more involved in care? Yeah, I, I, I would say, again, I think the provider status, as, as Shannon walked through, is, is a big opportunity. Um, as we interact with you know millions of members, 
the, the care model is needed. It's again, it's how to figure out how to make it more consistent and, and to support it across the industry. I, I talked to several startups, several vendors, and it's, it's, they're all doing the right thing. It's just finding that right modality to, to, to allow it to happen, I would say more easily. And, and certainly um, we, we've talked about a lot of, of difficulty with regards to operations, to cost, to understanding. And I know we're going to talk about some credentialing and privileging later. These are all factors that play into that. It's not a matter of, of if, but when and how, I think, in this. Again, just to kind of reply to the uh, the provider status role, I also think pharmacists are going to continue to be more involved in, you know, the specialty boom. I mean, we could say specialty has been happening for a long time with the Hep C tsunami back in 15 and then, and, you know, the launch there. And then, you know, drugs now are coming out that are millions of dollars and, you know, trying to figure out the payment modality there, I think, is an important role that pharmacists will likely have a role in. Uh, but most importantly, it's about making sure those are the right medications for those members and the complexity of some of those disease states. Um, pharmacists have, have a niche opportunity to become experts in those disease states. So I would say that is a key role for, you know, we're going to be spending a lot of healthcare dollars, hopefully for the right outcome. But I do see a large role for pharmacists as specialty continues to grow and change over time. So that would be my one area that we're particularly watching at CareSource. And I know industry uh, partners and fellows are also looking at. Yeah, that's great. And Shannon, going back to some of the results that you talked about through the pilot program, those are phenomenal. For those who aren't familiar yes. with uh, how um, difficult it can be to partner with a patient over the long term to decrease their A1C when they may already be on medications and we're just working to optimize those, wow, to have those types of outcomes is pretty impressive on all of those fronts. So I think it's done a, a really excellent job of showing the value that a pharmacist can bring in the rest of the, the healthcare team. Yeah, one of the things that I was really proud of with the pilot is that in one of the communities in a rural setting, um, the, the the town only had one physician, and that physician um, ended up sending all of his newly diagnosed members with diabetes directly to the pharmacist for, for that care. Um, I really think there's a huge opportunity in both rural and urban areas. You know, those are places where there might not be a diabetes edu educator. There's There are no endocrinologists. Um, there's really just that primary care physician that doesn't have the time and sometimes doesn't have the the resources or knowledge to, to, you know, fully equip their patients with what they need to have. Yeah. It's a great example of interprofessional care, which is, it's fantastic where I think we need to go. So I'm curious, what are some of the key drivers in healthcare right now in our society that you feel like are driving some of the changes and how healthcare is delivered? Ryan, maybe I'll, I'll tap you with that first. Yeah. It, I hate to bring up specialty again, but I, I do think that that is, um, again, ever-changing and, and something where the good news is, is we're becoming more innovative uh, with the curative therapies, you know, the gene therapies. I, I do think that is where we will continue to grow and hopefully find some additional cures for some disease states that we've, you know, not been able to, um, you know, cure in the past. Um, I, I think that's very exciting and, and pharmacists will 100% be a part of that uh, solution, whether it's the drug development to the implementing of the drug and or making the decision to make sure that the right member gets the right drug at the right time. Um, I think those are some of the biggest kind of opportunities. And then I would say, again, going back to the provider status, you know, a lot of folks went to pharmacy school, including myself, 
always want to do more than, you know, put pills in a bottle. That's an important factor of, of what we do in the profession. But at the end of the day, the example from the, the pilot study in Ohio, you know, pharmacists can really help members on their path to better health. And, and what a better way to do that. You know, we're, it's always been said we're the most trusted profession. And I truly still believe that. And we are the most seen profession. You go see your pharmacy, you know, multiple times a month versus sometimes your PCP once a year. And that's if you can. Um, I know there's a healthcare shortage in our country, unfortunately, including in the pharmacy space, Justin, like we talked about. But I do think with the right amount of care and the right processes in place, we've said the word interdisciplinary. I think that is key. And we all have to partner and, and really stretch the knowledge that we've got. And I do think at CareSource and in managed care, um, we can help put those pipes together and create that culmination of, of being effective and we have to do that as things get more expensive, whether it's by design, by inflation, by more costly molecule drugs, we have to work on that together. Yeah. Shannon, do you have any other drivers, um, maybe things you see in the, in the people you care for that are providing an opportunity for pharmacists to partner with others? I see a big opportunity and I see it happening quite a bit in the ambulatory care setting. Um, I, I think... My vision for the profession is to, to have a pharmacist in every physician's office. Um, I've um, shadowed some pharmacists who work in that setting, and the impact that they have is is just incredible. You you know, and the, and they're not diagnosing. They're you know, the patients might see their physician every three to six months, but they often need care. You know, monthly. If if they have diabetes, they might come in monthly for a for a check. And I think having a pharmacist in a physician's office um, w would be a, an asset to our entire healthcare system. Yeah, I, I agree fully. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit. Of course, we've talked a bit about provider status. And right now, related to that, both in Ohio and other states, there's a concerted effort to develop the infrastructure needed to um, support expansion of these pharmacist patient care services. And part of that infrastructure is this idea of credentialing and privileging. Um, so these ideas and returns may be new to some pharmacists. However, this isn't a new idea, right? It's been around for decades for other healthcare providers. And uh, it's just really getting into the pharmacy space more and more with the idea of provider status. So would you be able to provide us with a definition of what credentialing is and why it's important in healthcare? I'll grab that one. So credentialing, again, we do it today, day in and day out for facilities, for providers, uh, provider type. Uh, I would say not net new in pharmacy, but certainly newer, especially with the, the task ahead of us to, to really blow out and expand provider status. So credentialing in of itself is essentially the checking of qualifications. Um, it can be done by a variety of entities, accrediting bodies, state, et cetera. So I think that's something we have to figure out is who is the right and is there one path or is there multiple? Um, but again, as example, it's checking to make sure that they have their pharmacy degree, that they are a licensed, still licensed pharmacist in whatever state they practice in. Uh, that they may have a particular skill set, whether it's an MTM certification, a vaccination certification. You know, those are the things that you want to collect depending on the services you want to provide and pay for for provider status. So so I think that's the definition of credentialing is making sure they've got the right background, system checks, et cetera. And again, very important in the provider world today um, and something that we do when we um, uh, contract our network. So if you think about contracting with pharmacies, 
that we do as a managed care organization, contracting with hospital systems, contracting with providers, you, you, that's step one, essentially, in making sure that they're the right um, group individuals to take care of your patients. So that's how I would define credentialing. Okay, that's excellent. So to follow up on that, Shannon, maybe you can give us an example of certain credentials that would be required for a pharmacist to provide a particular service. What's, what is one of the first examples that comes to mind for you? I think Ryan mentioned this. Um, MTM certification um, would be a, an example of a credential that would be required for providing MTM services. Um, I think one of the, the problems that we're seeing, though, is that there is no standardized credentialing in the United States. Um, I know um, the American Pharmaceutical Association went down that path a few years ago, but I, I, th I think they've, they've dropped that initiative. So it, the credentialing is really at this time up to um, the individual health plans or the, or the Department of Medicaid. Okay. Yeah. And I, that's what I've seen as well. There truly is not one standard organization or others that, that do this process. Um, so you had mentioned um, an organization like your own has credentialing processes. A pharmacist working in a hospital might also have a credentialing process. Now, a hospital pharmacists in Ohio and other states here in the United States um, often have the flexibility to create protocols that pharmacists can work off of. Um, and once those protocols are approved, they can be credentialed within their own hospital where they have certain requirements before they can perform certain services. So it, to your point, there are many entities that are involved in this idea of credentialing. Uh, so let's contrast that with the idea of privileging. So how does privileging work and how does it relate to credentialing? Uh, I'll, I'll start in the Shannon, please add in. I mean, the, the way that, uh, again, certainly... We're not experts in this yet. And as you said, the, the standard process across is, is, is a need and I think would help with regards to the provider status uh, goal of a pharmacist. And obviously that varies by state as well. But the way that I see pr privileging is essentially, uh, again, they're interrelated, right? So it, it's really the scope of services that that uh, individual pharmacist in, in the conversation we're having can provide, whether it's hey, you're privileged to do MTM services for us. That's what we're going to pay you for and network you for versus, hey, maybe we want you to handle diabetes, hypertension, and asthma, and you're privileged to do the disease state management and gaps in care in those in those particular disease states. So I, I see them being, you know, both important. You got to have one before you do the other is how I would see it. Um, again, I'm not in charge of that at our organization with regards to networks and, and credentialing, but I think you know, that's the way that I would see it. it would be the services that we uh, essentially scope them to provide is how I see it. Shannon, I don't know if you want to add on that. And a lot of the privileging comes down from the state regulatory body or the, um, the Department of Medicaid, or they're developing these statewide protocols or collaborative practice agreements or standing orders that are in effect for all pharmacists in, in a certain state. So a lot of that is determined um, even ab above our level as the health plan. Yeah, that's great. So what you've done for me is what I'm hoping we're doing for all of our listeners, and that's demystifying this process, right? So credentialing is simply making sure you have the right training to do the work before you, whereas privileging is granting permission to do that work because you have the requisite credentials. So um, my hope is for you that are pharmacists and are listening, don't let this be a barrier to trying to do something new. 
credentialing and privileging it while it is a process and you have to figure out the right regulatory bodies to work uh, work with it shouldn't be a barrier to trying to uh, um, to implement a new service or advanced care of the patients that you're serving there um, so that brings me to uh, another question and it's just a simple one and maybe we've already answered it but why should pharmacists care about credentialing and privileging in today's healthcare environment? I'll start, Justin. I think that's a great question. I think a couple of things. Um, selfishly, being a pharmacist, I mean, you spend a lot of time going to school and you have passion about drug therapy. You have passion about helping patients. And what a better way to do that than firsthand. So I do think this provider status really showcases all the work that we as pharmacists have done, all the education that we've received all the passion we have to be that first level provider in circumstances where it makes sense. Um, so to me, I think that's, you know, first and foremost. Secondly, I think the healthcare industry today needs it. Again, there's shortages across the country. There are avenues where, you know, many patients, especially in the Medicaid landscape, they don't have a PCP. Um, so what a better place to be able to serve those that really have a need and be able to do that in a collaborative way, interdisciplinary, doing it at the point of, of sale or service that is easy for our patients to access. So, so I think that is it as well. And then I would say pharmacy as a whole, uh, we won't get into drug pricing on this or, or reimbursement, but at the end of the day, it's a modality for a pharmacist to be reimbursed and, and do something that they love and, and get paid or reimbursed for it. So I do think, um, and as Shannon said, there's outcomes that, that back this. So the funding and the process, again, it may need to be worked out and more standardized, but 100% agree that it, it, it's it's effective and we need to collectively as a, as a, as a country, as an organization, as an industry, figure that out. Yeah. And as, as a health plan, I mean, our goal is simply that, healthier patients. So this is how we arrive at that. Yeah, to me, it just seems like uh, we should look at it as a simple hurdle, right? We see a goal ahead of us. We want to improve the lives of the people that we serve as pharmacists in, um, in this healthcare environment. And we just simply need to see this as a, a step or a, a in the process to make those changes happen. So um, I appreciate you both giving us a good insight um, to demystify this whole process. So if we had a pharmacist that was interested in trying a new service, um, in their community pharmacy or whatever setting they work in, maybe it's an ambulatory care environment, where would they start to know the types of credentials that they would need to implement a new service? Do you have any suggestions on where they could go? I think the Ohio Pharmacists Association is an incredible um, source. They've been our, we've partnered with them throughout all of the last few years in trying to advance provider status. So they, they really are a great source um, for all everything provider status. Yeah, that's great. And my understanding is you, you also work pretty closely with other states here as well. Is that true? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've worked with, um, in, in all the states we, we are in, we've worked closely with their state associations. So that's a great source for any pharmacist is to check with their, their state association for help. Okay, great. Um, what about boards of pharmacy? I know that you had talked about sometimes um, either boards can have new regulations or sometimes it could be um, CMS or others that are involved in who gets paid um, in relation to these services. But are there other resources that we could go to as well? Um, of course, our, I think all that begins with our legislators. So I think um, 
you know, knowing who your legislators are and being willing to express your um, concerns and desires to your legislator um, is an important part that any pharmacist can play. That's great. Do you have anything to add on that front, Ryan? No, I, I think Shannon put, put it well. You, 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 we've got to be out there advocating for this as, a, as the profession. And it, it starts with the students we met with today and goes to the folks in various positions, whether it's managed care, retailers, hospital systems, et cetera. We all, we all have our hand in this. Um, I think the Board of Pharmacies are, are good partners and certainly, you know, they put out you know, weekly bulletins and certainly they've been great partners through the COVID pandemic with regards to allowances of what pharmacists can do as well. So I, I do think, um, again, there's not one solution here. Uh, I don't believe we can boil the ocean here with this thing, but I think we need to move a little bit quicker as an industry and, and really looking forward to it. Okay. So I want to shift gears again and uh, simply step back and dream a little bit. So if you could uh, look into the future and look at what our healthcare environment would look like if we were to really move the needle on optimizing health of, of the people we serve. What changes do you think we should pursue on the horizon? What things should pharmacists be doing now to prepare for this new environment of healthcare? I have an ideal vision for a pharmacist in, in a community setting as the hub um, for all things health. Um, I would love to see the pharmacies of the future um, include um, obstacle, you know, helping patients overcome obstacles to um, social determinants of health, such as you know, housing. If the pharmacist, the pharmacy could be that hub um, where patients could come and get that information to help them with anything that they might need. A, a patient is not going to. Um, have their health as a first priority when they don't know where they're going to sleep that night or where their next meal is going to come from. So I, my, my whole vision is just to see the pharmacy as that, that place. I couldn't agree with Shannon more from a pharmacy perspective. I, I think I'll, I'll take it from a, a, a higher level look at complexity in healthcare. And I think I would love to be able to, uh, work through the complexity of, 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 of healthcare insurance in general. Um, as, as we discussed today, we have lives of, uh, in Medicaid, we have lives in Medicare, we have lives in, in commercial marketplace. Just that education alone, I think we all have insurance through, whether it's the university here or our employer, and understanding those benefits in of itself for professionals in the game that we're in, it's sometimes tough to understand what's covered, where can I go, what can I do? What should I do? And who can help me? I think that's still a, a major hurdle in this country, and especially for those that that really need help in handholding. So I, I think, you know, continuity of care and, and really continuity of understanding the complexity of services um, is a major barrier. So in a perfect world, um, again, I don't. I'm not advocating for for national health care or one one health plan. But at the end of the day, we have to simplify the process because. If complexity of understanding coverage or where I can go is a barrier, then we will never get, you know, our foot out the door then. So I, I do think um, I don't have a solution, but I think continuing to work on that path for folks to understand where to go, what I need and how to be serviced, it would be would be great. And pharmacists absolutely can play a role in that. And that's what many of my great pharmacists that work at CareSource do today. That's great. And to be honest, that's why we need 
young people who are trained to know how to come and, and see a problem, but also give us fresh ideas um, that may be able to uh, come up with these solutions that we don't necessarily uh, see in the trenches today. So I'm, I'm excited about um, the future of, of where we could go with the right people and the right passion doing the right things to, um, to advance the care of patients. Um, Shannon, I love the, the, the whole idea of, of pharmacy hubs. And you, you also said a, a pharmacist in every ambulatory care, primary care clinic. I mean, we have seen that there is a, a primary care shortage and we have other um, professionals stepping up to help with that and NPs and PAs, and they do a fantastic job. What if we had a pharmacist as part of every one of those teams as well, though? How would that care change? How would it allow um, those who are trained in diagnosis to really do a fantastic job there? Um, and how can pharmacists then be great at chronic disease stage ma management? I, I think there are so many opportunities there, and I'm excited to hear um, you guys that are uh, passionate about that as well. Well, I, I wanted to end with just um, asking you guys uh, a few questions about how those whose interest is peaked in managed care and how it can be involved in these solutions we just talked about. Where could they go to learn more about um, what pharmacy looks like in a managed care organization? Where would you suggest someone start if they were interested? For CareSource in particular, um, we have an email address, pharmacycommunityprograms at caresource.com, that they could reach out to for more information. Um, we, CareSource has been highly involved in um, training future students in, in managed care. We have a, a robust student program. We teach a managed care elective at two universities, and we have a residency program. Um, Lots of plans do have those same opportunities, um, so checking with them. Also, amcp.org is a great resource as well. Yeah, I was, I was going to put a plug in for AMCP. It's the largest organization for managed care pharmacy, so amcp.org. Uh, they do a variety of, of activities and advocacy for managed care pharmacy, uh, including in, in a disciplinary. There's, there's pharmacists. There's physicians, there's other healthcare industry individuals involved with this organization. Uh, they also have residency showcase. Uh, they do a lot of um, advocacy on the Hill for legislation changes for a lot of the great things we talked about today, provider status for pharmacists, billing changes, and a variety of other activities. So I would think uh, AMCP is a great place to start to get uh, some general understanding of managed care pharmacy. That's great. And then um, a little bit more about how they could learn about CareSource. So Shannon shared an email address you can reach out to anywhere else that uh, a listener could go to to learn more about the great work you guys are doing at CareSource. I, I think CareSource.com, um, it, it shows the various plans that we're in, shows our mission, our vision, uh, shows a lot of the great work we do in the communities as well. Um, we are certainly uh, interested in doing pilots. We have several publications on the pilot efforts we've done thus far mostly regional, but I think um, I would say Google CareSource and you'll see all the great things we're doing, whether it's partnerships with FQHCs, hospital systems, to really put together opportunities to service communities and, and members, regardless of where they are in the country. That's great. Well, I'm super appreciative that uh, both of you have taken a, a little bit of your time today. I know you're both busy people, um, but we're, uh, we're very grateful that you've spent some time talking with us today. Um, and keep doing great work at CareSource. We're appreciative uh, to, of you sharing your expertise. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Justin.
You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.